My conversation today is with Jake Treyer. Jake is an astrologer, Freemason, and practicing theurgist, as well as a founding member, along with Pat Shanahan and Jamie Paul Lamb, of Tria Prima podcast, blog, and book publishers. A busy man, Jake is as articulate as he is well-informed and is an active contributor of value to the developing dialogue in serious esoteric communities, straddling the line between academic and practice-focused research and education. We sat down to talk about astrology, theurgy, geometry, deriving spiritual insight from the mundane, and his several endeavors with Tria Prima. I'm Ike Baker, and this is the Arcanum Podcast. I think I was sort of looped into the project that would become Ascension Lodge, and I was right on the caboose of that project. So a brother had had let me know. I, I was living up in northern Arizona uh, going to college, and I had moved back down here, and I was already a Mason, but rather uh, infrequent. In like I wasn't very uh, – I wasn't participating that much when I had just moved back down to the valley because this is where I grew up I'm born and raised in Arizona but um I became a, a mason up up north and when I came back down here I was just kind of working and going back to school and what didn't really find a lodge and eventually I was just at a bar with my roommates one night and saw uh, some guys with their rings on and you know, sparked up a conversation and ended up going to um, uh, the local lodge out here near me in the sort of east part of the valley. And that eventually led me to a few brothers who ultimately were up on the kind of front end of that project that would become Ascension Lodge. And um, they said, hey, you know, I know you're just kind of putting the feelers back out there. I think, we, you know, you're probably interested in some of the things that we're doing for this project in terms of, you know, some of that MRF style, um, observance style, uh, uh, masonry, you know? Um, so their, their project was aimed at, at bringing or restoring, you know, the sort of traditional, um, values and their, already was a TO, if you will, a TO lodge in Southern Arizona, but nothing in the Metroplex. Nothing TO, in... TO being traditional observance, right? Yeah. 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 So nothing in Phoenix. And um, by 2017, it was, uh, it was in full, you know, full force. Um, we were meeting, actually, I was a property manager at the time, and we were meeting at one of my properties uh, just in a little conference room and, um, you know, you got to go through, you got to go under dispensation first and go through all, a bunch of red tape, all the rigmarole, but that's where I met Jamie. So that's where I met Jamie and a lot of the guys now that are, you know, um, my good, good buddies. And, and, but Jamie certainly is a, one of my close, close friends and we talk almost every day. And, you know, of course we started, eventually we started Tria Prima together with, uh, another brother, Pat, who was our one of our first initiates at Ascension Lodge, and the whole 
an idea behind Tria Prima was that we would just sit down the three of us because we were always hanging out and we were we were just hanging out one day and say hey why don't we have these conversations with a microphone you know and start posting them so that that was sort of the impetus for Tria Prima that's where we all met was at, at Ascension Lodge so um why don't you talk a little bit about Tria Prima because I I kind of just discovered it via social media yeah um and you know through you guys your pages and, and things like that um but yeah tell me a little bit about it i i i mean you know i've i've read and listened to some of the stuff you guys have done but for people mm -hmm. who are not not familiar with it yeah so so like i said yeah we just started it to to kind of put our thoughts down in in some sort of record um we so Pat was an EA, uh, you know, first degree Mason at the time. Jamie and I were master. Jamie would have been the lodge musician at the time, still. And I was the so he was the founding lodge musician, I was the founding lodge senior deacon. Um, he's now master, and I'm now a chaplain. Um, so we we started meeting at Jamie's house. He's got a little recording, you know. Of course, you had him on. You guys talked, had a great conversation about all his musical endeavors, and, and he's got a great little music room in the back of his house. So we set up a little makeshift um, podcast studio back there. And um, I see, uh, do I see a snare drum on the floor? Is that a pork pie? What kind of snare drum is that? No. So that's my. Uh, oh shoot! You put me on the spot. That's my. Um, it's a Black Magic. It's not a pork pie. It sounds a lot like a pork pie because it's got yeah. that heavy metal sort of yeah. sound. But oh yeah, I'm a I'm a drummer. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's my first love. I I oh. I'm, I'm a I play a lot of instruments, Good. but but drums are uh, far and away my favorite. Well, Jamie's gonna gonna hate us then because he likes to he likes to talk smack on me all the time that the <laughs> the only non-musician in the band is the drummer so this will be great <laughs> well well see uh i the the, the benefit I, I have is that i i play other instruments so <laughs> but, yeah. but the thing is ar arguably i will say this as a brief aside i want to get back to the tree of prima yeah. stuff i i get when i see drums i like i get excited but um <laughs> uh the thing is it was my rhythmic and percussive foundation that made me the musician I am today. I picked up guitar, yeah. I picked up piano, I picked up bass, um, all that stuff because I learned to play the drums because of things like four-way coordination, you know, really five-way because you're counting, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and things like that. So I I think the best and and i think you see it a lot right guys like dave Grohl. So you see it a lot a lot of times where drummers will go to the front play guitar sing being a drummer makes you like such a well-rounded and foundationally stable musician that i think people who play other instruments will never understand what it means <laughs> well I, I wish I was as well-rounded as, as you and Jamie. I'm, I'm just a drummer and not a great one. You know, I did the whole, I played for a long, long time, but it's never been like the most serious aspect of my, you know, I never really um, took the musical stuff and ran with it, uh, unfortunately, because I would love to be a, a multi-instrumentalist. I'm certainly jealous of his, 
his ability or, you know, any of these guys' ability, including yourself to sit down and fiddle on a guitar or sit down at an organ and play around. I mean, I did play the piano for a little while and I, I know generally some chord structure, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the drums are so ancient. I mean, percussion is so ancient and so, um, sort of visceral and, um, you, you would have a hard time, I think, avoiding some sort of percussive instrument down into history and in any mm -hmm. culture. You know, the voice yeah. and the drum are like the oldest things. So, yeah, I love it. I think my parents just bought me a drum set because they were sick of me, like, tapping at the table, at the dinner <laughs> table, you know? That, but that never that never goes away, does it? No. I mean, my, my girlfriend now, she's sometimes in the middle of dinner. I mean, you know, she's beyond tolerant of of my many eccentricities but <laughs> but um we'll sometimes just be like will you please you know because i'm just i've got something in my head yeah. but uh i started out actually my first drum kit was a broken snare drum that i got for like it was a lot of money at the time i think it was like 50 bucks but it was just this 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 horrible uh yeah like tin snare drum yeah and a cardboard box and a garbage pail. And I just, and, and yeah. my kick drum was just, was just the floor. I would stomp on the floor. So basically the St. Anger drum set or whatever. What's yeah. the Metallica <laughs> album with the. <laughs> That's the one. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Yeah. I love the drums, man. That's fine. I still sit down, you know, I started, I'm a business owner and I do all sorts of, all sorts of stuff now. So it's hard for me to find time for the drums, but anytime I get to sit down and play, it's a, pleasure it's like an emotional thing you know well yeah. you and jamie were ta talking about ja i know jamie mentioned um you know how he, when he's fiddling around on the guitar or something sometimes it's just an emotional thing and it's that's like the only way to express that particular emotion and i th i think that's true yeah but i mean i i did i did start playing guitar when i was kind of young because a friend of mine gave me his guitar and i just noodled it, it was a bc rich and it had two strings on it <laughs> and uh <laughs> And I was just noodling around because I had um, just moved and I couldn't where I was at. I couldn't play my drum set. And so it, 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 that whole thing was just, yeah, it's gotta go somewhere. So I, you know, I need to play music somehow and I couldn't at the time. And it, it, it served me well because I, I moved around a lot. I lived in apartments. Um, at one point I moved five times in four years. So I always, I could always have my guitar you know, just next to my bed, just pick it up. Yeah. I don't even need to plug it in. So it's, it is a really good way to just emote. You can go down a rabbit hole for hours. Um, but, uh, there is something cleansing about it. Oh, for sure. So was, um, was music you're in for esoterics? I mean, w was that your, or at least no, actually, no, no. I mean, I've like, of course, everybody hears about the, you know, the backwards message in uh stairway to heaven and and uh you know led zeppelin um, recording one of their records that maybe might have been houses of the holy or led zeppelin four i can't remember right. they recorded it in uh you know uh wherever the abbey of thelema was or some something like that something oh, like yeah, that that's effect. right yeah yeah but um <clears throat> i am not a crowley fan like whatsoever i'm not saying he wasn't brilliant uh but he was I feel like the, the 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 cons outweigh the pros in that situation. So a lot of a lot of music 
is like esotericism in music seems to be either derivative of of his traditions and his writings or pointing towards him and that mm. that kind of um yeah, left hand left hand paths so, i didn't really get into it um i discovered the esoteric by accident you know i really? was always into comparative religions and stuff like that and um uh I took a lot of those courses in college and stuff like that. And I was very much oh, into, into Buddhism. Yeah. I studied Zazen Buddhism for a little while. And, uh, you know, I, it's a really weird story. Um, I think I've told it before, but, uh, my aunt had a tenant who threw herself in front of a train and I went to go help her clean up, clean out the apartment. And I was like, can I keep a bunch of this dead lady's books? <laughs> she's like uh you know take whatever you want because i want to throw it out so i read this this one book um called the oracle of kabbalah by rabbi richard seidman i still have it here on my bookshelves and uh i didn't know what it was after i had finished reading it i read it in a day but i knew it was important so i went online when people used uh you know like yellow pages online i looked for like long island uh kabbalah study group that's where i i grew up and um okay gave this guy this it it gave this dude's number and i called him and he was like yeah we don't do that anymore we haven't done it for like three years but there's this other thing and that other thing was the hermetic order of the golden dawn and i kind of got roped into that but um you know uh it changed my life entirely this is you know this is what i do now so mm -hmm. what about you did you uh were you interested in esoteric subjects before your fortuitous meeting at that at that bar with Jamie and and other fellows? Yeah, but very like loosely. You know, I had no idea what what it is that I was really interested in. Like you said, you put it kind of. I, I like the way you knew it was important. It was like I didn't know what the hell I was. <laughs> like reading about and and looking at and and watching on YouTube really but I knew it was important it was fascinating to me um so no I think that started early high school like I think my friends or e even maybe in junior high um and and it's not quite a, as cool of a story as you finding a book in a you know a deceased tenants uh <laughs> our apartment but um yeah. I think so there, I know the particular book for me though, it was uh, the secret history of the world by Mark Booth. Um, That's a great book, man. Yeah. So underrated. I love that book. Super underrated. Yeah. So that really kind of sparked it for me. Cause it sort of like secret teachings that just touches on so much stuff. And um, I was still in that unknowing phase. Well, I mean, I still am, but like, I didn't, I was still in that phase of, of just absorbing all of this interesting, okay, there's all this, you know, comparative religion and, and mystical traditions and, um, and metaphysics and philosophy and all these things that were getting thrown out. I was probably 14, 15, 16. So I was probably the only one at, at that age, like really starting to <laughs> read about that stuff. And um, I wasn't like, I didn't take the deep dive until, you know, my 20s, I would say. So there was probably a decade of the sort of armchair stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, that, it, I mean, it wasn't for nothing. It's certainly what got me into Freemasonry. It's, it's, it's what led me to um, 
all all sorts of interesting uh, t- topics and people. But um, no, it's really started. I mean, Mark that book by Mark Booth really triggered something in me. But I mean, I was fascinated with Knights Templar sort of lure. Um, since I was a little kid, my dad and I were like into that stuff because he's like into treasure, hidden treasure and all that sort of stuff. So I think my dad actually, and he probably doesn't even know this or realize this, but, um, his sort of tangential interests became my more, um, meaningful interests in that sort of hidden treasure, mystical matters, uh, sort of realm. So, um, in a weird way, my, my dad, I don't think he did it on purpose and he's not, not even really like into that stuff now. Um, and then, and then just sort of this progressive advancement through different material starting, yeah. starting with Mark. Yeah. Every, a lot of esotericists that I talk to, uh, reference that book. It's either like a guilty pleasure or they wear it on their sleeve. You know, um, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those books that I, I, I don't, it's one of those books that I enjoy deeply and I do not care if a word of it is veridical or like, you know, (laughs) if any of it is true on any level, it touches you in Mm -hmm. a way that is so deep and so intuitive that it just breaks open your mind like a chestnut shell. So it's, I think that's what it's meant to do. Yeah, it completely did that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's funny. My my dad used to bring me home books on Plato, stuff like that. I don't know if anybody could tell <laughs> based on uh, <laughs> my YouTube channel, but I've been reading Plato since I was twelve. Yeah. <laughs> um, we might have got you. We might have nailed you on that one, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, he, you know, I guess in he's an immigrant and uh, very very Greek. Uh, he came here when he was like 24, 25. And uh, I think his underlying motive seems to have been give him philosophy. He'll be, you know, he'll turn into a lawyer or a doctor. But that's not really what happens if you're paying attention to Socrates and Plato. You know? Yeah. He's <laughs> just kind of check out of society. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. You, you took it. You took it. Um, well, in my opinion, anyways, you took it the more meaningful way. You took it the yeah. honest way. You could have been the unhonest uh, uh, right. lawyer for sure. Right. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> that's the whole thing with Plato and Socrates is uh, personal honesty is, uh, I guess, the truest expression of the divine in a person. So, but, you know, um, what... Uh, We've got a little bit of a taste of the things that you that that started you off, right, Mark Booth? And obviously, I think a first for everybody is the Secret Teachings. I would say it's safe to assume that with you. Oh yeah, I've got the Diamond Jubilee, beautiful, you know, hardback. Yeah, yeah I love My, it. Mine is destroyed. <laughs> it's got it. It's still no. It still has. Hold on. Yeah, grab it. It still has like all this stuff in it. You know, my little. No, it's a good sign though. A book that's seen days is a good book. Yeah. I remember when I used to have to read this out of like, I would open it up inside an open backpack on the subways of New York so that nobody could, (laughs) nobody could see what I was reading. And, uh, and now it's like, you know, it's like totally cool to be reading (laughs) stuff. Yeah. Now you, now you're not the weirdo. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, or well, we're still we still are <laughs> both of us at the same time. Well, yeah. yeah. But so so like you are somebody who strikes me as someone well versed in the fundamentals of the Western esoteric traditions. Uh, uh, you know the esoteric and the philosophical stuff. So what are a few of your go-to's now for like inquiry? What what thinkers would you I guess compose your current uh you know philosophical DNA? Oh, good question. Um so right now Algis Uzdevinis if I'm saying his name correctly, uh huge influence on me in the last uh certainly the last year. I mean I, I think I but PD Newman, I was, I was talking to PD Newman and um, we were at the Brown hotel for a particular meeting and um, he turned me on to Algis and that really um, kind of turned me up to 11 on the Neoplatonic stuff. But uh, Gregory Shaw, uh, Algis, who's for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm more than anything right now, I feel like I'm trying to touch as much of the, uh, source material if I can. So I'm, I'm constantly sort of, well, I'm an astrologer, so, um, I sort of bounce between, um, like the Chris Brennan's and the Demetra George's and the Ben Dykes, and then back to so source material. So, um, Manitho and, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting a call. Let me put my screen back. There we go. Um, who else? Um, well, I've got, I just got Chris Brennan in, I, f I forget who did the translation, but they just put out Valens, the entire, and, uh, anthology for Vettius Valens. So I've been picking through that as I'm going through astrological topics. So there's a, a large part of my study right now is astrological source material, if you can call it that. So Valens, Manitho, Ptolemy, and, you know, these different um, ancient or Hellenistic astrologers. And then, and then also the Proclases, the Plotinuses, the Iamblichuses, uh, the porphyries. So know. it's a lot of it, 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 it's probably, I mean, there, Jamie and I spoke about it. it. There is a return to this particular period. And I don't know if it's because source material like Valens, um, has been made available recently to, to our communities, yeah. but, but it, it's, it's definitely like first through sixth century AD, uh, you know, um, uh, Greek, and well, really Hellenistic, right? Greco-Egyptian mm -hmm. um, type of philosophy. It's really, really burgeoning right now. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned those, those books because, um, or, or those authors as well. Because I, I believe, you know, Chris Brennan and, and Benjamin Dykes and Demetra George, they all kind of do similar things. They, you know, they yeah. draw primarily from, from source material. Um, but yeah, I did want to talk about where, where on the spectrum you are as regards astrology, because I know you've, you've given some, or I'm assuming you've given them before, but I see that you're about to give another uh, sort of astrology 101 education piece at your lodge, right? 
So that's actually at a um, sort of an oddities shop. So in Phoenix, we have this shop called Curious Nature. It's been around a long time. If, if your listeners want to check it out on Instagram, they got a big following. It's a cool shop, Curious Nature. And they, um, they're they moving into a, or they just did move into a brand new location that's much bigger and they have a classroom now. So they, they've been sort of putting the feelers out for educators to come and, and do – uh, different sorts of classes. So I got in touch with, with those guys. Uh, Mason actually is the owner's name. And, um, and uh, we, we had a great conversation. So I'm going to likely regularly be teaching an introduction uh, to astrology class there. We, we have the um, sort of inaugural class happening in early March. I'll look towards the end of our conversation, maybe give an actual date, but yeah, towards the beginning of March, rather, we have our first class and it's, it'll be a two hour sort of intensive, um, in-person class. So I'm going to be, I'm doing that. Um, and that's likely every six weeks or so we'll see how, how popular it becomes. A lot of their classes do become quite popular. Um, but yeah, in the law in lodge setting, I'm certainly always trying to do different, um, uh, presentations on, on whatever sort of particularly interesting to me at the at the present moment so i've done um right at the end of last year i did for the research lodge here i did a, a talk on mithraism um at, at in january i did one on D the plato's divided line and i, I saw i saw that i, I mean i didn't yeah. see the, the lecture but i saw that you posted about i would be so interested in in hearing that man do you put any of this stuff up on zoom or do you post it on youtube i need to yeah everybody everybody's uh not with everybody there there's several people have been like man you gotta you gotta record this or put it online or do a public version or something so i do plan on doing that i'll probably put it out um on the tree of prima youtube which we barely used um i think there's like one of jamie's lectures on our youtube but um I'll probably put it out through Tria Prima just because that's kind of already my outlet for this stuff in a public sense. But um, yeah, the divided line is so fascinating for me or to me rather. And um, it's particularly because it's a geometrical analogy and what, what better of a flavor of analogy to, you know, speak about in a Masonic setting than, than a geometric one. Um, right. So yeah, I, I mean, I love it's, it. you could, you could, you could, I mean, you could plumb the depths of Plato for like the rest of your life, your kids, your grandkids, you could just, endless. It, it's, it, it's endless. It, he's, there's so much incredible material in there, but I, um, yep. I especially, I enjoy the way the analogy is, is set up uh, so that, right. Because it's, it's written. So you have to kind of meant be able to mentally visualize it, and essentially right. it's it's phi, you know this this, well, this yeah. divided line thing. It, it really when you when you when you listen to it, and um, it's funny because I have I have a a lecture piece on the on the pentagram and and the the underlying geometry That's baked in there. Yeah, exactly. It's phi. Phi is in the pentagram, the golden yeah. triangle, all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be doing that one again for another uh, lodge out in, in Phoenix. I'll probably give that one th throughout this year a few times. And it's one of those points I'll record it and put it online. But yeah, the, the divided line, it's, I think it should be particularly important in a, I, 
I don't know why, like when I started to research it, there wasn't much that I could find in terms of uh, the Masonic lens. I mean, there's a few lectures on YouTube and obviously there's plenty of commentary on it um, down through the, you know, philosophic history, if you will. And what's one of the most fun things for me about it is that like no one agrees on on several aspects of it. So it's a really fun thing to to sort of pick through. But, you know, all you need to construct the divide and that's what I do. I do a practicum. So I'm showing that that all you need is a compass and a level to construct this whole thing. And you just you follow some very mundane, basic geometric, you know, Euclidean geometry um, Thales theorem, particularly to construct this really fascinating philosophical or really ontological, um, structure on, upon which Plato sort of, um, rests his, his, you know, cause he played or rather, what is it? Glaucon keeps bugging um, among the other interlocutors of Socrates keep saying, Hey, what is the good? You keep talking about the good. Just tell us what it is. And, uh, <laughs> you know, of course, Socrates says, nah, I can't really tell you what the good is, but this, this is about as, as good as I can do. And then he, he lays out the divided line and, uh, it's so fascinating. I love it so much. And it's so, it's rather easy con to construct. If you just start, um, toying around with geometry if you just get a notebook and a compass and a square and and just open up uh euclid's elements just start going through simple yeah. things it's it's really it's it strikes me i've not been a mason very long i haven't but i have studied masonic symbolism right in traditions like martinism and the golden dawn for many many years so it's it's very it can be jarring to me sometimes when you go into a lodge and they have very little well it's i would say it's it's a very mundane understanding of the symbols which saturate us in masonry yeah. and and part of part of what i try to do in the education pieces i do give is right because you can only go so deep like people don't necessarily show up to have this really, really intense, deep conversation uh, that that is like stretching your brain at nine o'clock at night. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. On a, yeah, on a trust weeknight, me, bro. You know? I had some, I had some fellas asleep halfway yeah. into my uh, geometric construction. Yeah. Looking me. at you like, like, what is that? Is that what yeah. you're deriving out of this? But, <laughs> but, but the the thing is. Um, I do want to encourage, particularly, you know, brothers in masonry to, to think symbolically because what you had mentioned, I think, is so on point. Geometry gives us a gnosis of ontology, it, 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 but you have to sit down and do it. And yeah. I, I, it, it, it's part of it's part of the, the curriculum, at least of my lineage of the, the Golden Dawn, where you have to construct the entire tree of life you know, based on proportion and stuff like that. And, mm, and you that's start, key. Right. You start. Proportionality, you start, harmony. 
Exactly. And you start laying it out and you start realizing all these connections in terms of symmetry and, and, the, and, and, and sort of fractal generation and, and musical harmony. I mean, it just mm -hmm. floods the mind as you, geometry is where it all kind of can meet in a form that, that transcends verbal expression, but yeah. you, so you, you experience a kind of abstract gnosis of it it really is a, a key that unlocks yeah. everything well you're you're sort of you're knocking as as close as you can to the door of of these forms that are just uh, f fully um or mostly sort of these intuitive things that um that slowly sort of impress upon your mind the the presence of of these causal forms that are informing our reality, you know, like math and geometry are not our doing. And when we, when you start to pick through a basic, even you Pythagorean um, ideas, or even like, like I said, if you just crack Euclid's elements and you just start following his rules and constructing, I have it on my Instagram on one of my things, you can click through, I started doing all of them. Um, and, uh, it starts to impress upon the mind this, uh, and I, it might happen faster for others, but for me, that that's really what it took for me to realize, okay, this, these mathematical forms are informing this reality that I'm sort of participating in right now. And if I start with these principles, these, these very principle principles um it will sort of unfold the rest of reality in a new light to me you know and that's uh, been a beautiful experience i mean uh nature sort of takes on a new identity um, things like masonry take on a new identity and it's right in your face when you join masonry i mean it's like geometry geometry you know it's like this <laughs> it's right in your face and then it's it, you're sort of searching for these like deep philosophical, but it's like, no, almost just like, just do it. <laughs> if you just actually yes. mess around with geometry, yes. it starts to have a really interesting effect on your, on your mind and on your soul. I believe anyways. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, I, 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 I gave in a, in a, in a recent education piece. I was like, does anybody know what was written over Plato's Academy? Let no yeah. man ignorant of geometry enter into here, you know, yeah. and that's what I opened my presentation with. There you go. And it's, it's, it's right there, right. In, yep. in masonry, but, but it, it is, that's, that's what's kind of happening right now um, to a degree. I see a lot of people, young people, don't get me wrong. It's not the only thing that's happening, but I see a lot of people getting very interested um, in this kind of stuff. And no, they, it's like, they become intellectually overweight, you know, like all the reading and reading and, 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 <laughs> and top heavy, right. A little, just hoarding information for what, to what end I have no idea, but um, the, the, the actual practical experience is in such short supply, um, yeah. you know, uh, in, in some circles, right. Because I'm, I'm, I am a practicing ceremonial ritualist, right. So there's obviously a huge component of, of people that I associate with that are very active, but, but there's a lot of, um, there's a trend towards the kind of, yeah, more academic pursuit of this stuff where it's like, 
you don't realize everything, everything you're tr- that you're trying to collate and synthesize will reveal itself to you through action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, precisely. I mean, I like to think of, of my time studying and practicing even basic geometrical stuff as, as meditation. Like I find that I, I get in that, that state, that sort of meditative state, which, you know, goes by a billion different names. Uh, but the easiest way for me to tune out the, you know, the, the mental sort of whirlwind, um, that's always going on is to just put pen to, to paper sometimes and start doing that. Or like you said, to engage in, in the practice of ceremonial, which, um, I do my best to do, you know, I'm sure there's a, there's a many people who are, um, a lot more. In fact, my roommate, uh, is a lot more engaged in, in daily practice and whatnot, but, um, anything that I think you can afford to do is good you know, in terms of time and money to some extent, like if you can, if you can spend five minutes being intentional about your, your will and, and those, those sorts of things, then you're, you're doing more than most. Yeah. Um, So, so you do, you do have some kind of ritual praxis. I mean, you know, do you, what, what kind of stuff do you normally engage in if that's not too personal a question? No, that's, um, that's a good question. I'm a bit of a chaos magician. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah, so I'm I'm also um, a Golden Dawn guy. So that has colored my ceremonial practice. Um, so you, you, you can imagine that um, that curriculum uh, is mainly what, what I'm sticking to. So... Um, but on a on a less i guess uh, um defined basis uh my the practice that i'm i'm able to sort of stick to and underpin my days with is a lot more simple so it's as simple as prayer intentional prayer um so for me it's in, it's about engaging my senses with things that are harmonious with the intent of the particular um, time or, you know, of course, being an astrologer, there's specific times that, that are more auspicious to accomplish specific things. So um, for me, it'll, it's about burning the right incense and listening to the right tune um, and maybe reciting the right uh, Orphic hymn um, and uh, and engaging in some sort of uh, practical meditation where th- there's some some end, hopefully. But um, I I'll start with an election, you know, an astrological election if I can find a decent one, and um, either try to just engage with the sort of archetypal flavor of that particular election just to just to sort of tune in and acknowledge that stuff so it's like you know as that i believe at least that that celestial sphere is all always um it's always 
in a way, now this is a whole nother conversation we get into about, you know, how the, how that mechanism is actually working, but just for lack of, um, more time, <laughs> I'll say that that celestial mechanism is informing this reality, whether we like to sort of acknowledge it or not. I believe that. And, um, to acknowledge it is to at least begin to take the reins to some right. extent. Right. So, uh, you know, we're on the carriage and the horses are going. And if we're if we're turning away from it and we're sort of rooted in this materialistic, positivistic attitude that is really the birth of the Enlightenment, which is what everyone is born into nowadays, we, we're, we've turned a blind eye to that. And we're still our character is still dragging us through our life, but at least to acknowledge it and to start to practically tune into it, say with a with a tune and a meditation or a burning, you know, with Saturn set, we got a great Saturn election coming. I think Jamie even mentioned that even on, on your guys's conversation, burn some storax, light a black candle. I have a, I have a, um, a, uh, what is it? Not on it. Uh, what's the black scrying me obsidian obsidian. I was kept thinking onyx. Yeah. I have an obsidian mirror that I'll, that I'll um, try to do a little bit of um, pseudo scrying in or stuff like that. So um, there's sort of the golden dawn element to my practice that uh, if, if someone wants to, that's listening, wants to go down that rabbit hole and you can get plenty of good resources on golden dawn curriculum, um, you know, self-initiation books or find a golden dawn. I mean, that's still alive and well, find it, find it in your municipality. I'm sure it's around hit one of us up it's around but um outside of that it's sort of astrologically colored really because i believe the urgy was uh, was a result of astrological um sort of uh reality like right. the urgy was birthed as it seems to me um as a sort of a response a cultural response to this this philosophical crisis that was um oh my god the heavens are, are this this thing that's around us all the time is is informing what's happening down here um do we accept it or can we manipulate it and the people who accepted it might we might call them stoics and the people who began to to try to take the reins per se or not per se, but take the reins, um, would be, uh, you know, these, these theurgists that started popping up in, in late antique or, or early Hellenistic, um, era. So, uh, yeah, I think that theurgy in general is, is going to be astrologically colored just because I think mm -hmm. magic and theurgy comes from that is like yeah. a, is a response to the the astrological reality but um there's certainly so i think certainly some of that is forgotten you know maybe maybe in the chaotic the chaos magic sphere in different spheres where that's less relevant nowadays but my practice is certainly colored by that astrological stuff Right. And, and, and I'm assuming that to kind of go back to, to the question before, what, what sort of flavor of, of astrologer uh, or astrology do you normally hmm. um, 
partake in. I, I'm assuming it would be sort of like this uh, sort of Hellenistic revival of theurgy type yep. of thing. So, so that's that's excellent. I mean, at the core of the Golden Dawn uh, inner order papers, which are the flying roles, right? As they were Mathers, Westcott, <clears throat> um, as they were forming the inner order of the Golden Dawn, uh, and and kind of uh, coming up with the curriculum for it, they sent out these um, sort of essays to each other uh, yeah. to be circulated. Uh, they're called the flying rolls. Obviously, I'm sure you know about them. But for yeah. anybody who doesn't, I've got them over there. Yeah, and for anybody who doesn't um, know about it, I mean, every question that you would have about Golden Dawn magic is answered in in those pages. Um, and the thing that actually this is exactly what that essay that I wrote for the latest light light uh, light extended journal that's coming out. Oh, I'm looking forward. It's to about that. the it's it's well, I'm about to ruin it for you by by telling you what I wrote about. <laughs> all right, all right, give it to me. It's it's just it's just there's so this is me sounding off a little bit and I I I don't begrudge anybody I don't hold it against anyone we all live lives uh you know mired in this kind of material paradigm but I didn't get into magic for magic I was in I was trying to find a way to contact make contact with whatever is transcendent of me, but has been calling out to me my entire life. Um, and I just so happened to be led in this particular direction. And it just so happened to answer all my questions and deliver to me that which I had been looking for my whole life. Um, but it wasn't to read the tarot and it wasn't to do, you know, money magic, you know, it was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was this, this theurgy, um, I didn't know that it was theurgy, but in the inner order papers, I mean, it is referenced constantly theurgy. The reason why you are here is to perform theoria, you know, um, and that's what this entire thing is about theurgy. So in the name, that's it. So it's, you know, a lot of, um, I will say in my experience, quite a few magicians of the Golden Dawn ilk and of other, other stripes um, kind of get lost in what I believe to be the, well, what, what is plainly stated in the Golden Dawn material, the supplementary or ancillary adjunct practices of divination, which are, which is meant to hone right? Meant to hone your intuition and bring you to a better um, understanding, particularly with astrology, bring you into a better understanding of the, the wheel work of the universe. But it's mm -hmm. not the it's not the ultimate point. The oh, point is totally. to then- I have yeah. a great point on that. Right. Uh, please. Going. No, no, no. Deliver it now. <laughs> well, okay. So I was just going to say that to, to piggyback on exactly what you're saying, my, my astrological sort of practice, because I do it pseudo professionally you know i've done events where i'll go out and and do uh chart reading natal chart readings or uh, sinistry or electional stuff um or mundane stuff that is exactly what you're saying that is all to to sort of hone the hone the the my ability i guess to to, to tune into the that in, more intuitive side of of what's going on right. um but like the name theurgy implies 
what what I really what my goal really is is God working. Right. So my my real intent as a as a individual, just all the names stripped aside, you know, as a human being, my my goal is to understand my my relation to deity and and his to me and the universe at large and nature. I mean, that's ultimately the, that's why I love the name. One, that's why I love the word philosophy and philosopher and, and theurgist and theurgy, because they both, uh, you need no other definition than the word itself to understand what it is. We're God working and we're lovers of wisdom. Right. And those are my, um, that's what leads me. But mm-hmm. uh, my astrology practice um, and even so, like, I'll even say that. So I'm a business owner. I own a contracting business and I do I'm a tradesman, you know. Oh, awesome. I'm a, I'm a I'm actually a carpenter. Oh, well, beautiful. So that even working with my hands and 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 doing a tr- and engaging in a trade, which is so Masonic also. Yes. Also tunes that intuitive um, faculty. I, and I, I, have, I know that I, might sound crazy, but no, no, I no, truly no, no. believe it does. It, it, not at all. The reason why I got into carpentry was to establish a firmer connection to, um, I guess you would call it the higher genius or the diamond because, mm. um, you know, I, I could, it's very easy for me to spend a lot of time in my intellect. And there are so many lessons that I wasn't learning of practical experience um, that carve your character in a way that is, is um, transformative um, and so necessary, I think, not only to modern people, but to people who are sort of, um, and I don't mean this in like the smarty pants way, like I'm not patting myself on the back, but I have a lot of intellectual energy, meaning my my mind is constantly uh, yeah. trying to absorb things and 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 find patterns. And I mean, hey, that helps you in carpentry. But ultimately, it's about, you know, especially when you first start out, it's about, you know, dig deep and carry your burdens, you know, all that stuff. And and yes, and and working with the materia in a way, in a way that is right. You have, you have different materials, different kinds of matter, and you are acting as an agent using geometry as proofs of the underlying laws of the, the physical universe to create something useful and beautiful. Point blank period. Where, what else (laughs) is there to say? No, you're you're exactly right. That's I'm so glad that that um, you know sort of where I was coming from um, in that regard. Because here I heard this, and I I feel bad because I don't know. It's a it was a woman in a in a just some YouTube video I was watching, but she said for for the truly intellectual individual, um, work can be meditation, and that's how I feel about engaging in my trade. Um, and I have a weird trade. I, I do high pressure misting systems, so it's not as cool as carpentry. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, um, there's still rules that I have to follow that are objective, that that are um, that sort of precede. You know, they're natural laws and rules that I have to follow, just like a carpenter does, or a mason has to, or 
yada, yada, yada. And um, in a way, when I'm engaging in the practice of, of, of my trade, um, the mind is sort of turned off. And that's another version of practice for me in a, in a weird way. And the other, the other point that's interesting is that you're also, as a tradesman, um, for a lot of tradesmen, you're engaging in a, a hierarchy, which is really important because typically you're, there's still apprenticeships, right? I mean, for, for many trades, you still go through a phase of, of apprenticeship. And this is something if you don't, if the listeners don't know as a parent and sort of uh, heavily, you know, it's the degrees of masonry is sort of this progression of, of the uh, hierarchy of, of tradesmen, or at least there's roughly um, sort of follows the, you know, you're an entered apprentice, a fellow craft, and then a master mason. Well, in a similar way, most tradesmen are still an apprentice before they can go out on their own and do their own thing. And we still engage um, practically in those hierarchies. And those hierarchies are um, totally platonic because a hierarchy is, is, um, is, begs at the one in a way because it it is you're you're engaging in a in something that is greater than you and you're participating in a certain chain of that of that oneness right so your particular um initial stages sort of are built upon and um until you become the the you know, the master yourself in a way. And, and I think anyone that gets to do a trade, I wish trade schools, and I think we might see a revival in sort of trade school um, attendance in our I hope so. I, I hope, hope so. so. I mean, that, that's really that's important the thing work. I, like, and yeah, it's indispensable. And if you know how to turn a wrench nowadays, you're going to be so valuable. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. I tell Nicole, uh, you know, um, you know, when we have kids, I think uh, I my thing is, you know, my my parents and I think my generation, um, we were really like college was just a given. You're going, you know, right. and and it just, you know, it it ended up being a little bit of a nightmare for a lot of people. And um, you know, my main thing is like, look, you don't want to go to college, fine. That's, you know, great. Do what you need. Do what you want to do. Find out what it is as long as you're working towards something. I think that, that you know, we'll all benefit from that kind of encouragement in general. And the thing is, it's like, you can't, you know, a lot, a lot of it came down to me. My dad, my father was a contractor and a lot of it was even him as a contractor, like condescending to 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 you know skilled tradesmen where it's like you don't want to get involved in this stuff and it's like well it's hard work right but like it doesn't matter what level you're at everyone lives a hard life you know pain is relative and i would rather be able to learn from my pain and do something useful with it productive right. with it than then just stay mired in it because i haven't developed the fortitude the tools within myself to be able to sublimate it you know and i think that 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 is what 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 if like you're saying you know if if you're somebody 
who works in ideas and 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 kind of is connected to this intellectual um abstract philosophical perspective of everything that we've talked about one of the best things you can do is go and work with your hands for like a year yes <laughs> yeah bro i mean it's it's um i enjoy it my job is easier than i think a lot of a lot of trades people but generally in terms of just how difficult the actual jobs are but um and that was you know i i picked that path for that reason but it's still in, and i've worked different kinds of jobs you know i i was a property manager before this in a commercial setting and that was a nightmare because you know i was it was just constantly i was only putting out fires all the time and i felt useless and i felt like my intellectual faculties were being um sort of hindered and and tamped down in a way because i couldn't engage that that aspect of of who i am through my work and i couldn't see my work through that lens and it's it was like eating at me for a long time and finally working with my hands and doing doing a job where i'm creating something that again um like the work becomes a, a complete whole and becomes a one thing out of many particulars. And I love that. That's, and again, another sort of um, platonic or neoplatonic sort of um, the, the many is really the one or what. I don't know. I see that in yeah. a lot of stuff, but I, you yeah. don't know where I'm getting. I just love it. Yeah, abs absolutely. I mean, we should, maybe we should go to our lodges and be like, all right, guys, we're going to, we're we're gonna rot in in operative for a little hey man most lodges need it anyways you can walk yeah. into most lodges they need some they need some work i've um i've uh oh yeah yeah the building yeah in Asheville needs some work but um i've uh actually i've heard that you guys are doing something kind of cool at ascension lodge with with astrology um recently once <clears throat> i think after jamie's year is over but as has being as deep into astrology and theurgy as as you are has that sort of informed your idea of masonry do you see more of it now do you feel like you've do you feel like you've you've kind of uh struck like um kind of like an oil line you know <laughs> like this is the this is the undercurrent this is the foundation of it i know that that for me it, it, masonry takes on a lot of alchemical stuff but wh how do you feel astrology plays into it um another great question so uh i don't want to just say i don't want to say all the same stuff that uh jamie said but but really stellar theology was a mind blower for me, just like it was for him. I know he mentioned that on the, on your podcast as well. So I don't need to like unpack that that much, but um, I see that, that. So uh, the, the saying is um, ethos anthropos daimon character is fate. Um, Heraclitus. That, yeah. So, that is very astrological to me because the the whole idea of a natal chart is to conceive of one's character truly you know what what are the what are the sort of archetypes that are informing your character um what is your daimon what is your higher genius sort of 
dealing with, which you are also dealing with here as you fell through this, the spheres of causality or your soul rather, you know, and, um, our, our, um, our character. And I love that that's sort of a, like a dichotomous or oxymoronic saying is like care character is fate because you would think that you know character is sort of your choice like i get to be i get to choose my character you know so how could i be how could i live a fated life if if my character is sort of in charge of that well i take a different approach now that i've sort of seen things through the astrological lens well i now i totally believe that to some extent, our character is is laid out when our souls um, make their descent, and um, though we may still uh, make a lot of choices, I I do believe in a degree of of free will. I think that there is both free will and <laughs> this is how all this crazy uh, Neoplatonic metaphysics get. It's all sort of uh, um, seeming opposites and, and the reconciliation of it. But I believe that there is both free will and, and fate. And I do believe there's a way to reconcile it. We don't have time for all that, but I think masonry, how that has sort of informed my Masonic experience is that to me, the Masonic experience is an endeavor to, to hone your character, right? So it is a, it is a moral philosophy, I believe. I believe Freemasonry just is philosophy, period. Again, going back to the to the word itself. I mean, we're all hopefully lovers of wisdom. And um, and so in in that regard, I think Freemasons are philosophers. Now, whether every Freemason is really in, engaging in that sort of idea is, is arguable, but I think because Freemasonry is a moral philosophy, and I think because a lot of the progressive nature of Freemasonry is aimed at the um, improvement of, of one's character, that it is sort of – it works right in tandem with understanding your astrological makeup. So, like, once I really understood what my natal chart was was telling me about myself i understood better how to apply the tools of masonry to that sort of holistic idea of my character right once i knew how the the archetypes were conditioned in my life and then subsequently sort of accepted that as a fact for my life um then i really knew how to circumscribe my actions or how to, or, or square my actions rather and, and circumscribe my passions rather. So um, if that makes any sense, brother, what I, I guess what I absolutely, mean is that, absolutely. that they work in tandem to me. And I know that's sort of a philosophical idea and, and maybe what Jamie was hinting at with the, with like stellar theology is more of the symbolic route because I think that symbolic stuff is there as well. I mean, the sun, the moon is a massive aspect. I mean, the astrological symbolism is, is throughout the Masonic experience and that, that goes without saying, but I think it is there to point us towards astrology with an L right. I don't, I think that astrology really is, is astronomy, 
but with the with the idea that there is a relationship between the celestial and the terrestrial. That's really the only differentiating factor here is that the astrologer versus the astronomer believes in an animated universe, right? That is just like the hermeticist believes or the alchemist who believes as opposed to the chemist that their pro their alchemical processes also sort of resonating on on a the level of the soul and the intellect and ultimately um a, a sort of unfolding the um con continually unfolding the reality of their own transcendent nature to them through that process i think Freemasonry is the same. In fact, I think if you if you are a Freemason, obviously you have to accept the existence of a supreme being. That is a prerequisite to, to yes. becoming a Freemason, right? Yes. So I don't think it's that far of a leap or that hard to reconcile if you already are a Mason. The idea that the cosmos are animated and that in some way there is a relationship between what is happening in this loci of consciousness that is planet earth and everything else that is beyond it, you know, into infinitude, you know, and um, to, to go through the Masonic degrees and to like bob and weave around the astrological sort of implications, I think would be hard. I think plenty of guys do it, but yeah. um, I think it's the symbolism is there. That's obvious, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially I remember one of the, and I'm not going to give away anything, but you'll probably know what I'm talking about. Obviously in each jurisdiction, the rituals are slightly different, but you know, even, even in the, the third degree, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> I was astounded by the fact that people did not recognize the triplicities of the Zodiac, you know, like that are, they're just there. I, I mean, I, you know, at least in my jurisdiction's uh, lodge manual for, for the ritual, it's like, it's so clear that these, these are the zodiacal triplicities kind of branching out into into their respective quarters which yeah. is um you know i'm being it's it's a little cryptic for whoever's listening but if you're a mason i think that that you'll you'll um you'll appreciate it and not only that but it you know masonry nowadays is it's it, from an outsider's perspective I, you know it, it appears to be this this like edifice this institutionalized boys club and to some mm -hmm. degree there's there's a little bit of that but what gets lost is like masonry is the arc through which right you know um thus through succession of ages passes unimpaired yeah you know uh the it most excellent the perennial tenets. philosophy i mean i believe it is. that i'm a perennialist for sure yeah. and i think that freemasonry is that current vessel it's exactly what you're saying yeah. Um, and it's important for sure. And good luck going through something like the Royal Arch, the York Rite, and trying to make sense of the, all that without any sort of astrological in, implication. Good but luck. what's really what's really interesting is the fact that the masonry sort of created right um, these these spinoff orders. Um, you know, typically what I'm talking about now is is like Martinism and 
uh, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. A lot of people don't realize it. a lot of a lot of the 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 shit that's going on in like Wiccan covens and their rituals and stuff like that. It's good. It's Golden Dawn stuff. You know, yeah. a a lot of the the, the lesser banishing ritual, the lesser ritual of the pentagram, is invented by by the yeah. founders of the Golden Dawn, who were all high grade masons. So what kind of happened is masonry suffering in this kind of maybe let's call it a dry spell of of the, the symbolic interpretation and just getting lost in this very, very hyper-masculine, hierarchical, almost like a military type of uh, pecking order. It, 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 it branched out into these fringe orders that sort of um, germinated all of this stuff so that guys like you and, and myself and Jamie and just countless other brothers that I know now nowadays that are steeped in this stuff can now return to it and 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 see through this the the lens of these interpretations the 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 mystical stuff in it the transcendent stuff in it so in a way it kind of like you know it 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 it, it shed its own blood to so that it, in future generations perhaps we will come to to heal it or at least restore it to some level yeah. of of you know um higher interpretation than just uh you know that's I a guess lot of that's going on right a lot now. of lodges i feel like you said that earlier you know because a lot of those translations around the 90s or rather at least the uh english translations of, of these really important texts started to come about in the 90s and of course the late 1800s like you just said were were massive for esoteric and occult um, sort of offshoots and orders and practices and of course that's where you get um, the the golden dawn among other really important uh, streams of of this perennial um, lineage but on a more maybe theurgic theur theurgical um, vein or light but uh, now it i mean case in point your your podcast tria prima philosophical minds um all these uh and just to name like a couple because they're they're a bunch i remember when i first joined masonry which is a, almost 10 years ago um and i'm not i'm absolutely not knocking any of these the podcasts that i'm about to reference but the you know the, what what was around when i joined which was not that long ago 10 years was you know, winding staircase and the um, these pod the the podcasts that were more centered around or and beyond podcasts. I mean, the general culture and vibe of Freemasonry was more. Uh, it seemed about uh, certainly the symbolism on on some level, but the fraternalism and the history has been really important. It seems like for the last you know po the post World War Freemasonry is like this the sort of picking apart of the history of freemasonry it was a big has been a big deal and um so i sort of grew up in freemasonry on um you know these the great sort of the winding staircases and the the masonic round table and those sorts of things but now you've seen the shift i feel at least towards these more um uh i mean for lack of better terms, esoteric sort of streams of or currents, um, which which you can see coming to fruition really in the last couple of years with all sorts of books 
and and podcasts and even new publishing outlets. Um, and now you're starting to see that these topics being talked about on those other podcasts as well, which is cool. Like it, it seems like free the culture of Freemasonry and even outside of Freemasonry now is starting to open its mind up to these these um, deeper currents that sort of underpin the groups that we're talking about. But on a broader scale, I also see it in 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 topics um, like mathematics and physics, and because or in, even in biology. I mean, there's all sorts of unanswered questions and all these academic disciplines. And I think at some point people are starting to throw their hands up like, all right, it seems like you guys um, have lots of fun theories, but, but uh, not a lot of firm answers yet. And it seems like a lot of these theories uh, that you guys have uh, invented or come up with are necessarily like repackaged in neoplatonic metaphysics. You know? Yeah, and it's, and and, it, and the, the the really the, the the biggest detriment to that, and I think the greatest sense of disillusionment ultimately comes right when you do really become enmeshed and begin to understand the modern academic machine. Is that sure? You know, we've all got these theories. Hey, we're in the postmodern age, right? Truth is dead, but. Academic institutions in particular, and their 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 I guess sort of mass media mouthpieces, um, they broadcast this stuff as if it is, you know, an iron wrought fact. And then you get into these institutions and you're like, well, you mean to tell me nobody's ever seen an electron? Like nobody has ever right. no so you've been right. teaching me about electrons, protons, and neutrons, and you can't prove the existence of an electron. And then people say, well, we can infer that it exists by its ancillary properties. What have people been saying about God for for fucking yeah. thousands of years? Yes. What are we talking about? Preach, brother, preach. Yeah. So I <laughs> dude, this that is exactly where we're at. And it's in all it's in all disciplines, but especially, I mean. The reason I bring up physics or uh, physics, especially one, because for a minute I went to, to Arizona state for physics, but so I got to sort of firsthand experience that, um, that vibe from staff, from faculty, you know, and good luck, you know, raising your hand and, and asking sort of calling their axioms into question, you know, you can't do it. You know, it's in the books. You can't question the axioms, you know, right. don't question. Um... And, and so and so and so where else have we seen that? Right. Don't question. It is written. Yeah. <laughs> the same the same religious institutions yeah. that that they've been, uh, you know, pointing a finger at for 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 hundreds yeah. of years now. They're beginning to take on it's the, the same. same. It's because it's zeal that at the end yeah. of the day, it's just. It, religious zeal doesn't have to be confined to religion <laughs> yeah no you're absolutely right it's it's a arrogant attitude and it's unfortunately it it's it has pervaded universities right i mean like that's that is the culture at university whatever is in the book is is the law it's the rule it's gospel yeah. right and now but the interesting thing is that you've got a lot of people like ourselves taking to youtube as a response you know, kind of like offering these alternative perspectives that have have been well researched and are 
rigorous to the extent that anything can be, you know, but just offering a different uh, viewpoint. Have you, are you guys, what, what has Tria Prima got going on um, right now? Uh, I know you guys do a couple of different things. You, you, yeah. uh, YouTube, um, a blog, do you guys uh, publish stuff? Yeah, we've got a few books and we're, we're working, working on three right now. Uh, so, so yeah, we have print books out. We, have, we, we published uh, Danny Newman's or PD Newman's um, most recent until he, he's got a new one coming out. Uh, but we published his uh, Angels in Vermilion. And uh, we did, of course, Jamie's Archetypal Temple, that anthology, the great anthology. Um, so those are the print books we've put out in the last couple of years. And like, I think Jamie also alluded to one that is in the works, um, on your podcast as well. That's a really cool project that's sort of drawing on some different aspects of, um, of, uh, I'll, I don't know. Uh, well, some go stuff listen we talked to, about. Go listen to the, uh, podcast with Jamie on it. <laughs> <laughs> he talks more about it. I don't want to talk about it again, but we're working on, on that. Um, he spilled the beans already with you, so I don't feel like I'm spilling the beans. Uh, but I won't spill the beans. There's another two. Is, is I think the best I can say right now is that we're um, doing some reprints and um, uh, re hopefully really nice, um, incredible reprints of a couple um, older books um, that we're going to do some a commentary on as well. Uh, I think Jamie's going to take one and I'm going to take the other. So we've got a couple books we of course have the podcast we'll be recording a few we kind of do them in batches just because we're the three of it's hard to get three guys together to do a podcast so we're a little irregular with our timing on the podcast but we we met at the beginning of the year and we mapped out a lot of the topics we want to talk about so the podcast will still be going strong through the year um we've got the blog we just put a great one up on the beehive by uh soror zatkiel who is who is um uh, she's amazing. I mean, she's I think she's she's here. She's from Asheville, isn't she? She lives there right now. Yeah, she, she just moved up from Florida. Hopefully, I'm not doxing her, but uh, <laughs> she, she uh, yeah, her address is no. She um, <laughs> she wrote us an amazing piece on the Beehive. Our blog is a little more digestible, and the books are obviously where we put the more um, the longer, more. Um, sort of long-winded ideas and then uh, the podcast and um yeah that's all i think we do want to ramp up the youtube so i think we are we just talked about doing video for our podcast so i think we're finally gonna put our faces on the on the podcast but yeah you can find awesome. it on any streaming uh, site and where where can people go to uh to check out your books if they wanted to, is it an Amazon? You, you guys self-publish, right? Or, or like yeah. you, you self-distribute, I mean. Yeah, the best place to go is Lulu. You can find it on our website, so triaprima.co. Um, but we we keep everyone updated on our Instagram. So the Instagram is sort of our main pipeline for information. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, we, we use Lulu. It's just print on demand, you know. We're not we're not super crazy yet. We mm -hmm. eventually want to get some nicer hardbound projects. Um, but for now we're just doing the Lulu thing. So yeah, triaprima.co. Cool. We couldn't afford the N. <laughs> um so there's two questions. I don't you know, if if you listen to any of the podcasts I, that I ask everybody, but I think you answered one of them already. So that the first question being how do you experience 
magic. And you gave a very beautiful and, and well put answer um, earlier on in the podcast. So my, my, uh, my question for you now, the final question would be three books, YouTube channels, um, uh, I don't know, video lectures in any media that you would recommend to somebody listening to the things that we've spoken about tonight and wants to learn more. Well, yours, but I guess that's a cop-out answer. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I feel like I should choose like one version of each um, uh, type of media. So I'll say, man, put me on the spot, bro. That's what I do. Yeah. I think um, right now, again, I'm really on – no, wait. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to show you. Do it. Okay, so we got we I talked about it. Um, Algis is Divinity. So we got philosophy and theurgy. Pick this one up. I mean, a mind blower from uh, start to finish. Love it. Uh, I've had and- I've had. I've had that in my cart for like a month. I'm oh, gonna go buy dude, it. Go buy it. Pull now. the trigger. <laughs> pull the trigger. And the the uh, um, John Finnemore is amazing too. He did the forward. So here's my book recommendation. This will be my book recommendation. I love um, in terms of uh, podcasts the Schwepp, the Secret History, the what what the hell did Earl Fontanelle's um, the Secret History of the whatever you know esoteric what. What's the Schwepp stand for? Help me out. I it's it's a really really good ginger ale. Secret, secret history of the Western esoteric tradition or something like that. The Schwepp podcast. So that's a really fantastic, rather academic, you know, podcast. And then on YouTube, I really love uh, Let's Talk Religion. Fantastic YouTube channel. Oh yeah. Um, I really love and and he's led me down all sorts of like um, the Islamic and Sufi mysticism and all that stuff, which is really incredible. Um, and just at like an honorable mention, I'll say of uh, Dan Attrell's uh, modern her- hermeticist. Um, he he does these great readings of of a lot of the ancient um, texts and um, little fragments and whatnot. And he's got this really great soothing voice. I love to fall asleep to some good modern hermeticist so yeah i love all those yeah he's dan Attrell is fantastic i've been his picatrix is amazing i have that too yeah i do too he's he's got um he started that youtube channel out i think as like something for his friends to like go to and uh it was just him sort of disseminating this stuff for like very close friends i remember when there were like less than 100 followers i used to follow him i don't know how the hell i found him but now it's like he's you know He's like a, a very well-known um, oh, YouTube man. Yeah. yeah so well, I love all this. I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. Um, I think this was a fantastic conversation. I can't wait till, uh, till we, we have some actual FaceTime. I really appreciate you having me on. It was, a, it was an absolute pleasure. Hopefully we do it again. I would love to have you on Tria Prima. So I'll, well, let's return the favor and whenever you whenever you want man um yeah and anytime you want to do this again if you've got anything to to plug or anything that's coming up or you just want to shoot the shit uh, i feel like we could talk for three hours at least so um i i really appreciate it uh 
So thanks a lot, Jake. Thank you.